Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Richie. Maybe on Walker. Pugh. Pugh! That'll do it! That will do it! Pugh for Bournemouth! The roof of the gold sands is raised! Everyone here knows what that could mean to this football club. Hello Cherries fans, hope you're doing well this Monday and thank you for tuning in, whether you're listening via the audio pod or you're watching on YouTube. We truly appreciate your time as we talk about AFC Bournemouth for the next hour. My name's Sam Davis. My name's Tom Jordan. And we are pleased and privileged to be joined this week by Jack Tanner, sports reporter for the Daily Echo. Jack, how are you doing? I'm pretty good after the weekend, yeah. Yeah, it was good. It must be refreshing to report on a win, isn't it? Yeah, everyone's a lot happier, certainly, um, especially the form Cherries have been in. So n- not quite a relief lifted, I think, because I think everyone's kind of aware what the situation is. But yeah, it's definitely a confidence booster for sure. Mm, absolutely. And it's an episode of unpopular opinions and controversial takes today. We'll fill you in with what we mean a bit later on. If you uh, follow us on Twitter, you'll know what that's all about and also on Facebook. But... Gary O'Neill clocked up his first win as AFC Bournemouth manager as permanent head coach on Saturday with a 1-0 win against Wolverhampton Wanderers, a a result that when looking at the league table puts us above the dotted line. Tom, that feels good, doesn't it? Never in doubt. Uh, Yeah, no, it does feel good, Um, particularly when I think it was hard to try and celebrate the goal and then you see that Southampton are winning and you're thinking this is even more pivotal now. Um, and obviously with the run we got coming up as well, it was um, crucial for us to get above that dotted line before this run. And I think with the next three that everyone knows about, if we can be within touch, I don't expect us to be out of the bottom three come the next three. But if we're in touch and distance and we're well in it, then then I'll be really happy. But this was, it did feel must win, didn't it? It did feel like that. Um, and at half time, I certainly didn't didn't think that was going to be the case but you know credit to credit to everyone they dug in and um i think probably overall as much as we weren't brilliant we probably earned it mm. um because we you know kept wolves at bay quite comfortably so um yeah pleasing mate um yeah four points uh, last two games what's the problem What's the problem? Now, uh, Tom, you know that when we upload videos to YouTube, we've got a 100 character limit on our titles and we try to squeeze in as much as we can. If you had a lot less than that, I'm talking about 20 characters, say five or six words, what headline would you use to sum that up? Because you haven't seen what Jack's put here. You've just thrown me right in the last hour. How would you describe the game? Sum up the game. is. I mean, you're going to have to count the words. I'm not sure. Um, I'll go with not the best watch, but dogged performance and crucial result <laughs> how many characters that's uh, alright yeah that is alright so Jack Tanner's gone with a smash and grab yeah. victory in the Echo make sure uh, you either read it in print or check it out on the website bournemouthecho.co.uk and Jack it it was a smash and grab wasn't it because that that first half we, we sort of seemed to ride out a storm but it was a game of two halves as well because in the second we were a lot better and we got a goal and then we clung on to that as well yeah I mean first well, I was going to say five minutes, probably first two minutes, looked all right and it kind of felt like the same kind of attitude as we've seen in recent weeks in terms of especially going forward. Then Wolves just got the ball and just kind of kept Cherries hemmed in. But you've got to give the side credit for, 
getting through that. Mm. Um, I know Gary O'Neill came out afterwards and was a little bit critical of how easy the counter-attacks broke down. Uh, that was the main frustration in the first half. But you've got to take your chances. You get one, literally one shot on target. I don't even think that Marcus Tavernia knew too much about it in the end. Mm. You get the goal and you just dig in and defend because it didn't really feel like Wolves had anything particularly to, to unlock Cherries. Um, so you've got to give, again, credit for Cherries for getting a clean sheet. It's mm. massive. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to get into the nuts of the bolts of the game very, very shortly. And of course, we'll go through your unpopular opinions too. But as you may have seen, you probably know this by now. We're recording this at the Basement Studio located in the centre of Bournemouth. They cre- they cater to musicians like Tom. Okay. I say musicians, you can sing a bit on a match day. Uh, producers like me, uh, voice actors and podcasters. Tom, you're not a podcaster, are you? Maybe. But if you're looking for a professional environment to record, mix and master, their studio, it offers a spacious live room with a separate vocal booth and a comfortable mixing room as well. They provide a range of services and packages to aid you in your creative endeavour. Plus the studio next door to us, there's a little recording booth. If so, if you want to be a singer for a day, it's got the Wanna Be A Star party experience. Perfect for kids' birthdays, Hindus and all that malarkey. Wannabeastar.co.uk. So... We've seen the league table already, the baseline tracker table, which tracks where we are and how many points we're down. Mm-hmm. Minus six, but then Southampton also pulled a win out of the bag. Oh. The weekend. How annoying was that? It was annoying. Um, I mean, to be fair, they're, they're, they're below us anyway, and we need to look up if we're going to stay up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, kind of put it into context there. But it was frustrating, especially when you watch match of the day back and think, how did Chelsea not score? <laughs> I think the more frustrating thing is just looking back, you go and... I, I think I, I said to someone, I said, oh, it's such a shame we haven't got Chelsea around the corner. And I thought, well, actually we did. And mm. we just, there's one of their only wins in yeah. God knows how long. So, and I remember saying at the time that Chelsea, are, they're not they're not right at the moment. They're all over the place because he's got so many players that he don't know what to do with them. I mean, they're virtually playing, it's like pre-season. They're like making five changes and like changing the whole team by the end of the game. And I felt like when we went there, um, we kind of went always oh, Chelsea mm. and, and kind of played the name rather than the actual team that were performing or lack of performing. So it did surprise me because of Southampton's form, but then having thought about it a bit more, I thought actually Chelsea isn't, you know, you look at Chelsea and go, well, that's a defeat for Southampton, but really it'd be harder if they were playing a Brighton or a Fulham or, do you know what I mean, on, mm. on form and, and league position. So yeah, it was a shame for us. Um, a real shock that it was a War Prowse free kick as well because they normally score from so many other areas. Um <laughs> Yes, that was a blow, but it just meant that the the win felt more important, actually, because I just thought it's easy to go, oh, it's so typical, but equally, imagine if we hadn't won. Mm. Um, and the Everton won, listen, it was, it's frustrating, to, but one of them, they, they were either both going to get a point or one of them was going to win. And to be honest, I think Everton will be fine with Deitch. And I actually think Leeds is one that's more, we're more capable of catching. Mm. Um, we're above them at the moment, but more more chance finishes above them if, if they don't get the uh, the appointment right. So I want to decide with that. Forest Point a little bit annoying against mm. City, but they seem okay. But I think what was nice, we pulled Wolves in a little bit because if they, if they had beaten us, they would have felt like they were uncatchable. Um, even teams like, I look at it and teams like Leicester losing, you know, you yeah. want to keep, just keep them in there. I know they feel like Leicester shouldn't go down or Forest probably won't go down now. But I think a lot of people saying that about West Ham mm. and suddenly now West Ham are in the bottom three. So, yeah, I think it's important to keep pulling teams in and, you know, looking at the kind of Palace's fixtures, they've got some tough fixtures. Mm. Let's get another team in there. And let's, let's give ourselves the best chance. But um, it was frustrating to see Southampton win just because yeah. Southampton won. I'll never want them to win. We saw the uh, the team line-up announced at two and one of the notable parts was the return of Marcus Tavernier. Now, Jack, when you when you go to the Vitality Stadium on Friday and you hear Gary Neal say his thing, is it frustrating to hear him say the usual things like he's back on the grass or he's close? <laughs> and you're always wondering, yeah, but is he? Like, like could he be named? How close is he? Yeah. Uh, one thing that Gary Neal... It definitely is, and the biggest thing I noticed between pre-match and post-match pressures. Pre-match, he's extremely guarded, and then post-match, he comes out and says quite a lot. Um, no one even asked him about injuries after Wolves, but he came out saying, "Oh, Lewis Cook looks a lot better. Lloyd Kelly looks a lot better." Um, he's and even like tactically, he he very much doesn't like to give anything away, mm-hmm. which is fair enough. Um, we've kind of learned that you can't push him too much because you're just going to get the same. But we we had a feeling that Tavonia would be involved again. He looked. Not 100% against Newcastle, as you probably expect, and then the same against Wolves. And again, O'Neill came and said that after the game, um, saying that he starts to catch up to full fitness. Um, but really, the only way you're going to get full match fitness is by playing football. Mm. Um, so, And also, it's just a confidence for him. So I reckon Tavs comes back right before the break, right before his injury. He's finally hit form, finally found the back of it, yeah. finally 
grabbing assists, injury comes at the worst possible time for him. Yeah. So I think just to get a goal, even if he isn't playing at his best, is just going to give him a big boost of confidence. A few people on um, on Twitter said that um, Gary Neal came across very, very calm, much calmer than usual on Friday and very relaxed, whereas previously he's maybe been a bit tense. Do you know why that could be? Or? Um, I didn't notice anything. Like He normally comes in... And, um, and it says like quite like quite a jovial character, and like I said, very guarded pretty much. Mm. Um, but the one thing like we said, it's even when the form and performances weren't very good, and there was the fans quite a bit of unrest. The fans there was never a single noise from the club. Mm. Uh, when he was asked about it um, post Brighton, I think it was by Jordan Clark, he, he came out said he was comfortable and didn't want to talk about his future. Um, I think he very much knows that he's in a comfortable situation. Yeah. He knows what he's been tasked to do. Uh, he knows that results perhaps wouldn't have cost him his job at all. So I think there's that calmness there. Um, but he, he was level-headed afterwards um, as well. He, to be fair, he... I don't want to say emotional. After, he's emotional after games, but he does himself. He does always talk after a match, wanting to look at the game that's just happened without emotion, um, mm. which he'll do in the days following. So I think he, he's a quite a level-headed guy, but especially after... Uh, a game he can be a little bit more open a little bit more talkative uh, and kind of show not as true colours but give his opinion a bit more I do um, think I, I was just about to say I do think I wonder with the perception like you said um, about on Twitter about it coming across more relaxed before the Wolves mm-hmm. game and I, I thought I wonder if subconsciously or in the back of his head he was thinking if this goes wrong against Eddie Al who they love this could get a bit of a, a circus and they'll just be chanting for Eddie. And if we go like a couple goals down, they'll we'll, be anti-me and they'll be all for Eddie and we want you back. And because we, we perform well and got a result, that kind of almost calmed everything down. There wasn't any kind of O'Neill out stuff, or, which I believe potentially could have happened if we had at home. So I wonder if that just made him go, oh, I got away with that that home game we performed and that it could have been a tricky time. So that, that might be part of it, I wonder, because I, I agree. I don't think there was anything major, but he did seem quite comfortable. But like Jack says, I think quite often he, he does seem quite le- a level-headed character, doesn't mm. he? I mean, everyone does after Scott Parker anyway. Yeah, and, you know, it's... it's it's quite interesting that Jack says afterwards he tries to take the emotion out of it and we all know that you're that type of character on the fo- on the post-match fan cams. No swearing, no cussing, no emotion. You're just a level-headed guy, aren't you, Tom? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm always calm. But uh, we'll talk about how we felt at full-time later on. Uh, wh- when you saw the team, mm. pretty much as expected, although we were kind of wondering Tavernier or Anthony, or, yeah. or sorry, Watara, or, you know, obviously he's got a load of choices that he can do, mm. but... He went with Tavernier. Uh, we thought he, he might be a bit rusty. Um, and in the first half, I thought he did all right. He went on a few runs, but just um, I think the whole team were just guilty of no end product. And in the final third, everything just seemed to break down all the time. Yeah, that's what it felt like. I think um, in the predicted lineup, I just went unchanged. But I think I might have caveated it in there, thinking I wouldn't be shocked if Tav come in for either Watara or, or Jaden. Um, I was a bit surprised it was Jaden, maybe, but I can see why he played Tav. And I also think that the Adama Traore factor might have played a part, just mm. that Jay-Z was going to be on... on you saw in the first half, they were aiming for him every time. So maybe Tav is used to playing wing-back as well, and he just had a bit of support. But yeah, like you say, mate, I thought... I, I, I like the fact that we offer a threat on the break now, because we've got a bit of genuine pace in there. Um, but as you say, and I think Gary said it as well, it just kept breaking down. Like mm. Every time we broke, you thought we are in, and that decision-making... Maybe a lack of confidence and, and things like that, and, and rustiness, as, as you alluded to with, with Tav in particular, because he was having one first yeah, half yeah. In, in terms. Of, I think he gave the ball away in a really dangerous area as well, but it was everything he was doing was like, oh, this is great, we could have Tav back, but then that final piece was missing. Also from Dom, also from Atari, it was just it was all breaking down. But I looked at it more positively that at least we were offering something for them to worry about. Mm. More, my main concern was how much domination they had. Um, off the ball, I, I am aware we're we're not going to have. I'll be very surprised if a game this season we have more of the ball than the opposition. To be honest, um, so I'm aware of that. But it felt first half a little bit like we were playing with fire a little bit because it, it did feel like they. It's a matter of time there, mm. and because of our set piece record, I don't know how many corners they had first half. Oh, it felt like loads, yeah. But what we'll say is this time we were defended. I mean, every header was set, whether it's Senesi, Solanke, Lerma, Stevens, we were winning everything from corners. So apart from when Neto <laughs> yeah, flapped, but... flat for one, but um, yeah, I, I was content, but I did think at half time, if this keeps going the way it will, there's I'm only gonna, one player. I'm going to bring in Mike Lerma. We're going to do some controversial opinions. Uh, I'll bring in mine straight away. We'll do it. Right. Um, 
Neto is no better than Travers. Mm. Okay, I'm going to caveat that, right? Yeah. I'm going to caveat my own point. I think Neto's distribution is is really, really good. Um, but in the last three games, and also his shot stopping as well is incredible yeah, as well. But in the last three games, there have been three moments that are so close to have nearly cost us the game. Brighton, what he was doing with that pass out, straight to, was it Undav? Undav was the one yeah. that had a chance, yeah. Uh, you know, how they didn't score that, I don't know. And it took another um, interception to get rid of that. Newcastle, shot from St. Maximin that wasn't overly powerful, actually. Spilt it. He did better with that shot in the sort of closing stages of the Wolves game. That was, I thought, very impressive. And then the corner comes in where he flaps. And I think it's maybe Watara on the line that had to clear it. Mm. It's just like... That's, is, but yeah. is that a controversial take? It is a controversial take because we've... Um, statistically, I think um, there's been a few stats for it. Like Neto's, you know, the, compared to Travers, is, is different level. I think um, Travers won't be out by the nine 0 at Liverpool, by the way, on any stat. But um, I, 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 I agree with what you're saying, and that said, I think, I think you'd probably agree, Sam, that if you said, okay, who do you want as your goalkeeper, you'd still say Neto. Yeah. But the point you're making is is bang on because if. Um, as you said, the three you've just mentioned, that it's to mention them again, but that's in the last three games, one in each. If they're, if the opposition are more clinical, he makes an error in three games in a row yeah. and everyone will be calling for him to be dropped because that's the life of a goalkeeper. Fortunately, every single error he's made, we've dealt with it. Mm. But it hasn't been... I mean, and he's made some decent stops in games and I agree, distribution-wise, much better than Travers and I think leadership qualities and also the fact that we've got a lot of new players in that speak different languages, he's obviously able to do that. I think it helps. And I think the back four seem more settled with Neto behind them. But he the point was, um, of him making errors and them just not being punished is, is there. It's factual. He I think. was, uh, who scored man of the match, by the way? Who? Uh, Neto. He, he didn't have anything he to do. He was the man of the match. He had four saves. And yeah. None of them were. Yeah. yeah. What algorithm they use for that, mm. but he got eight. And whereas the others were like 7.5s, there were a few sixes in there, but he, he, he got man of the match. So maybe I am wrong. Another person that um, probably deserves a bit of praise is Jack, St- uh, Jack I was about to say Jack Stacey. Jack <laughs> Stevens. Um, we'll come on to him shortly. I, I was just wondering, in the um, press box where you are, Jack, do you have like the local like, radio commentators around you so you can hear what they're saying? Um, I had locals around me for this one. Uh, oh, okay. One you, um, literally, I was the last row of the press box, and yeah. I had uh, two se- wall season ticket holders right behind me. Um, mm. <laughs> uh, it was a, an experience. Yeah. Um, uh, what? But I had like the monitor, the replays here, and they kept on leaning over and having a look yeah. uh, and screaming at every decision. Um, they they were very unimpressed with the um, time wasting and game management, which. I personally, I found very, very ironic because if there's one team in the Prem the past few seasons that are go down easy, time waste, it's Wolves. Yeah. I turned around at one point and said, if you've had a season ticket for longer than five seasons, you surely have seen this every week. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was a bit odd. Uh, but yeah, sometimes you can hear them out. But the general feeling from Wolves was they just didn't offer anything. Yeah. Even post-match, a few, a few of their reporters kind of asked their manager, what do you make of the time wasting? Yeah. Um, and he came out and said... <laughs> don't matter how much time there was pretty much uh, they didn't really look like scoring and he was annoyed at how they uh, went about chasing the game so f- for the most part it did kind of feel that um, Wolves like their reporters accepted that they didn't deserve to get anything from it well th- yeah that's what I was going to say because if you can hear the local like media doing their radio commentaries and so you probably get a vibe of what they think of the game and to me it, it, it sort of felt like they had they had lots of the ball they got into dangerous areas, but they didn't actually do much with it. And as and as uh, Tom said, like Neto, do, uh, do, like really didn't yeah. have to do much. I think that it was poor from Bournemouth, but equally, whilst we were poor, Wolves didn't Wolves didn't do much really. It, it felt deliberate, especially when he brought Mepham on. Like sometimes you can view that substitution and go, "Oh, he's sitting back and defending." But very much kind of they brought Diego Costa on, and they just kind of thought, "Well, whip the ball into the box." I don't remember him particularly winning a header. Because in the first half, um, Mateus Nunez kept just popping up in tons of space in the box. Yeah, and the second half, that didn't happen at all. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess the Mepham substitution paid off because Wolves just doubled down on the crossing game. Mm. Um, and we have seen quite a few times that Meps, uh, Jack Stevens, especially, because the guy has got a concussion in the amount of headers he's had in the past few games. Um, they he's- are pretty good when they do into a back three and have crosses whipped into the box that is bread and butter for them yeah. so if they can kind of force games towards that direction where they mm. defend in that situation I think 
going forward. Because even first game of the season under Parker against Villa, they had to dig deep at the back. I know Kiefer Moore was coming back and winning headers yeah. in the area. So in that sense, yes, you invite a lot of pressure on. Uh, I think, like, for example, Nottingham Forest away, Lloyd Kelly, that penalty happens because they're sitting deep, yeah. chucking bodies in front of the ball. Um, so it does have its downsides, but it very much does seem, Jack Stevens especially, quite comfortable in yeah. those situations, which you need in like scrappy games like that. You need to have a well-drilled defence. Yeah. yeah. yeah my, my, my kind of concern, because I, I totally agree, and I think in some of these games that um, are a little bit more like this and a bit a bit tight and, and we need to dig in and, and defend crosses, I, I understand it because I, I back our players from crosses, to be honest with you, especially with Stevens in there now. My concern is our next three next two in particular against City and Arsenal they won't put many crosses in mm. and if we sit that deep they'll just have more more room to manoeuvre and play them little clever passes and have them runners in behind and um, yeah that, that's maybe my concern a little bit is if we sit deep against teams with that quality we might mm. struggle because I, I can't see Arsenal City just lumping balls into the box mm. do you know what I mean um, but against against Wolves you know at the time obviously it's, it's nervy but I did really understand it they had Jimenez and Costa come on and they were just chucking in the box so it kind of made sense I guess to just Chuck Mappamon, who's, who's pretty decent in the air as well. So, yeah, it did make sense. Jack Stevens' touch map was all right. Bournemouth put it on, twi- on their Twitter. Mm. He, was, uh, he, he was a rock, wasn't he? Cornish Maldini. Oh, <laughs> Daniel Davis put that. I love it. Um, yeah, uh, he's he's just been he's been superb, hasn't he? He's just... Oh, I think I said to you, Sam, but it, little uh, reminders of Steve Cook, actually, a little bit, in the sense that probably not the, the best on the eye or, like, your modern mm. defender who plays out and is all quite silky and... Um, and stuff like that but I'll tell you what he'll block stuff won't he he'll just mm. chuck himself in front of things um, just just solid brave no nonsense and, and some of his, his clearances or or just kick it out were actually more considered I thought and he, mm. he um, got us out quite nicely his distribution was pretty decent so yeah I just feel we look a little bit more comfortable with him there he's, he's really grabbed the shirt and said Mep's you ain't having it back because let's be honest Mep's been our best defender this season he can't yeah, get a team that's mad isn't it um, and a lot of it's to do with, with partnerships because I think Stevens obviously wants to play that right side and Meppen prefers that right side and I think um, so that's why Senesi stayed because you could make a case for Meppen and Stevens but mm. I think Senesi and, and Stevens have formed a real partnership now and I think Senesi's getting better with every game as well mm. Heather this is next on Popular Opinion well is it unpopular? Southampton have sealed their relegation fate by lending us Jack Stevens. He is mustard. And she says, oh, and it is a rivalry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, such a good performance from him. And it's uh, really nice to see. I think defensively we were we were pretty solid. But a player that has come in for a little bit of criticism is Adam Smith. Um, and you've got a reason why you think that is that mm. we'll talk about. But uh, a lot of people on the unpopular opinions are we'll put these on screen so if you're watching on YouTube you'll be able to see them at the bottom of your screen or just check out our uh, our last tweet and then you can see what individuals are saying but they're insinuating that he hasn't really got the legs for it anymore yeah I mean Gary Neal even came out post-match and as he's discussing Jack Stevens, he, he mentioned how he was having to swing back around and cover Anna Swift quite a bit which watching the game I know like there's so many things going on. Mm. I don't particularly. My eyes weren't particularly drawn to that side of the pitch. Nor mine. That's what don't I really about. remember a specific attack. Maybe going forward and breaking down. That's like the one criticism I have of Adam Smith. But I just think Jack Stevens, the advantage he has over both Meps and Senesi is his. He's been in the relegation scrap quite a few times, as is normally the case at Southampton. And um, Adam Smith's the same. He's got that experience. He knows. Mm. what to do and there's a reason why he's still vice captain and he's well respected and he's playing um, over Jack Stacey and even Ryan Fredericks coming back um, I can see also the positives for Ryan Fredericks especially counter-attacking his pace we, we've seen it before him coming forward um, when, when he is fit of course big question marks over how long he can actually remain fit even mm. at West Ham he, he struggled to string games together mm. um, but yeah the Adam Smith criticism I see it going forward but Defensively, I wasn't really sure O'Neill was on about. I did go back and watch it, and yeah, there's a few, but Jay Z, for example, got dragged out a few times, yeah. um, which is natural when you get to Dharma Traore. So I don't, I don't think particularly it was on the fullbacks. Um, mm. But I, I can see, yeah, going forward why people were a little bit critical of him, but I think he's just got that experience, especially defensively, that, that you need in this situation. Mm. There's a reason why when Fit, Eddie Howe, Jason Tindall, Jonathan Woodgate, Scott Parker, and now Gary Neal all play Adam Smith when he's fit. When's he on the bench? Very rarely on the yeah. bench. There's a reason for that. Um, 
Also, it, that does feel, it does get, it annoys me a little bit. I do feel like if you look at kind of scapegoats or pl- players that people have enough of, I think it's just because they want more excitement. It used to be Simon Francis, Andrew Sermon, Steve Cook. It's all the same ones. And it's just another one now. He's the long, so it's they just people want to change. Um, he's not the same Adam Smith, probably. But yeah, I made the point to you that I, I think sometimes that you've got to remember our left fullback is, is Zamora, who is very offensively minded. And I think a lot of teams are doing it now. I think, um, look at top of the league, Arsenal, uh, Zinchenko bombs on, Ben White comes in, Tommy Asu comes in. And I think a lot of the time they know that Jay-Z needs that licence. So it's that elbow tactic that people talk about these days. And then so Smithy tucks in a little bit more. So he's not bombing on like he used to. I think it's an instruction. I don't think his legs are gone, personally. I think it's an instruction. But I think it rarely happens the other way around, though. You'd really think a balance that he would be doing the other way around well, and then Zamora would be tucking. I remember... Um, uh, Forest away, I think it was, yeah, O'Neill's first win, wasn't it? Um, and we, half-time 2-0 down, took off Jay-Z. We actually moved Smith to left-back, I think, and bought on Fredericks, didn't we? I think he tucked into right centre-back, didn't he? Or maybe right centre-back, yeah, yeah, he might be right, yeah. Fredericks was like right wing-back. But Fredericks come on at wing-back and we kind of revert, we went right now, let Fredericks bomb on and we'll tuck in the other side. So I, I do think it's a bit of an instruction. I'm not saying, as I, say, I don't think Adam's just the same player, but he's not going to be the same player. He's, he's you know, there's been a lot more years to him, but I agree with what Jack said. I think his experience is is crucial. I, I do like the fact that our backup, you know, no respect to Stacey, but our backup is Fredericks, if it, and he's got experience as well. Um, but... Let's. I think. I think you're in danger of doing this. If a player's uh, perceived to not be on a good run or not performing regularly, you suddenly think their backups a world beater, mm. and you feel oh, you got to play Fredericks. Got to play Fredericks. Had has had a few right games, but he also had some games where I thought he's not that good, is he? Mm. I think Fredericks is going to play a part this season, and I quite liked. I think it was against Newcastle where he switched them to, and I thought, yeah, he needs it now. Needs a bit of that injection. And I think he's going to be handy for us, and he will start games as well as come on, but. For me, no, I think it's it's too easy to just say, get Smith out. I think a, a lot of people were saying, oh, he just gives the ball away. I think I looked and players that play 90 minutes, it was only Billing that gave the ball away less than Adam Smith. Okay. I didn't think he gave the ball away. I couldn't remember him really ever giving the ball away. I think he's quite assured. He's not the most exciting for points we've made, but no, I'm, I'm happy with Smithy. Um, he hasn't been 8, 9 out of 10, but I think he's always 6, 7. He's, mm-hmm. he's, always, he's always pretty reliable. So, yeah, I've got no doubts about Smithy continuing playing. Um, like I say, every manager plays him. What I got really frustrated about in that first half, we'll come on to the goal, don't worry, we'll talk about it shortly. But, um, Good, because I missed it. Just the amount of times... Oh yeah, you did miss it, of course you did. Um, the amount of times that we got into the final third and just the, the, the yeah. ball broke down, like Tavernier uh, seemingly having the run of the park and then he played it to the left and then and then the attack broke down, Dom Solanke going through, probably making the wrong decisions a couple of times, Tavernier having an air shot. Jack, it, it just... You know, you can probably appreciate it from a Bournemouth fan that we were so frustrated that, like, in these little moments that we had, we just weren't good enough. And there are even people on one of the unpopular tweets that even questions Dom Solanke as well. So we got uh, Robbie here saying, We undoubtedly look better with Solanke in the team, and his work rate is phenomenal, but he really is not a very good finisher and we should be looking to upgrade in the, in the summer if we stay up. Seven goals in 82 Premier League appearances, 8.3% goal conversion rate, very, uh, very low down the charts. Whew, controversial take. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think, um, it's interesting because like, I asked Gary O'Neill something just about pressing, like the four players pressing. Then he came out on this kind of long spiel about how they're asking Dom not to track back as much. Mm. And it does kind of feel like they're trying to coach Parker out of him because he was very much Parker's archetypal striker for the way they played in the championship. Oh, okay. Um, in terms of like the runs he makes. I, I noticed that before his injury, sometimes he'd be running into channels and never was the ball ever coming because he was still making the same runs as he's trying to make under Parker. Mm. Um, but you've got to remember, did he equal... Well, if Mitrovic hadn't scored as many goals in the championship yeah, yeah. he would have equaled I think Tony's mm, yeah um, it very much is I can see where O'Neill was coming from how Slanky contributes everywhere else like the goal pretty much comes from him I think it's such a good cross with such enough power yeah. to O'Neill doesn't have to do anything for it there is an argument I know uh, O'Neill wasn't happy with his back heel against Newcastle which I thought he scored a few of those like it's mm. pretty inventive he doesn't miss enough chances for me to cons- be concerned mm. um, yeah. I think the price point of what Cherries will be able to pay and players will be interested I think you can probably get a goal scorer but then you're missing on what Solanke contributes elsewhere especially in their shape Cherries just look like they have a proper focal point Mm. Um, players can bomb him better Um, and like I said 
Slag, even if he doesn't get the ball when he runs the channels, sometimes he does drag defenders out of the way, and that helps. So he's a very good all-round player. I think last year I wrote a, a piece kind of comparing him to Harry Kane, which sounds a bit ridiculous, mm. but it's because he drops deep, gets on the ball, drives the ball forward, can pick out a pass. And I think really, if you have that aspect, you're not going to be able to find someone who can also contribute that and also score 20, 30 goals a season. Yeah. I know like Mitrovic, for example, he does contribute pressing-wise, but he's not the same sort of build-up player, yeah. which Cherries need. Fulham get by because they're structured in a way that allows them to get the ball to him quite often, but Cherries kind of rely on individuals in their attacking sense. Um, so yeah, I can understand the criticism, but I think what he contributes apart from that means he's pretty vital. Yeah, Tom, I'm not, I'm not sure he is like Harry Kane because he's, he's won some silverware in the Betway Cup, hasn't well he? Played, well played, yeah, no, he's definitely... Um, his goals have been more important than any of Harry Kane's. Um, <laughs> I think... I, I get it, and I think if you look in, if if you look at kind of stats and stuff, I guess I get that as a striker in the Premier League, the, the record's not very good. I mean, he's he's been back up at most of his clubs, even was when we were in the Premier League before. He's never been a starter until this season at the Premier League, so I think that's a bit harsh. Um, but what what I will say is that we could get a poacher. I'm trying to think of a Danny Ings type player that you know is good at the back of the net. He would probably score more goals than Slanky, but the team wouldn't score as many, in my opinion. No chance. Um, yeah, what he offers is. Uh, out the amount he offers outweighs the lack of goals in my opinion and I mean this season there's no way you can drop him out of the side because I mean there's no one that scores as many goals anyway we got Kiefer Moore Semenyo could play for them but they're not going to give you any more goals anyway in my opinion um, so yeah I do kind of get it I think it's always going to be a point but you alluded to Tony there and obviously what he did in the championship was very similar to Dom but obviously he's doing it in the Premier League I do think if you put Dom Solanke in the Brentford team instead of Ivan Tony, Dom Solanke scores as many goals. I do, I do believe that. I don't think we don't create anything. We don't, we, don't, we create very little. He is feeding off scraps. He's yeah, he misses a few chances. How many does he actually get? Mm, not many. But how many? As as Jack said again, how many chances or goals do we score in the Premier League that he's a he's a part of? We couldn't score a goal when he went in the team. Yeah. When he's in the team, the whole team scores more goals because of the, the room he creates, the link-up play, etc., etc. If he got injured now to the end of the season, just, just start the championship because we would have no chance. So I get the point. And if we, obviously he did, uh, the question did say, if we were to stay up, we need to upgrade. Mm. And I kind of get the point that if we were to stay up, I would want someone that can compete or play alongside Solanke maybe at a higher level than a Kiefer Moore because I just don't think he suits us but I do think Kiefer has good attributes but yeah I agree with maybe getting someone in to compete with him um, just just for numbers of goals really where we were in the um, in the stand it was very difficult to see well where you were it was very difficult to see the goals I'm not going to ask you to talk me through it that's the second week in a row now where you haven't been able to do that Jack would have seen it and also had the benefit of replays as well I don't know about you Jack I had no idea whether Dom Solanke scored it, whether it took a touch, but it, it was a it was a weird touch. It was like a thigh hip or whatever it was from Tavernier, wasn't it? I went thigh. Yeah. Oh, I'm sticking to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was pretty much out of, out of nowhere. Was, the start of the second half was okay. Um, but yeah, Solanke gets to the byline. Again, how many Premier League strikers get into that situation mm. where they get the ball from, from deep, um, whip it in, and it was a perfect ball. Uh, O'Neill gave credit to Tavernier He's kind of saying that Tavs understands that you commit, you attack the space, whereas quite a few other players lurk around the penalty spot yeah. for the cutback. So it's right place, right time. So you've got to give credit for Tavs for the run, but um, the goal, again, comes from Solanke, really. Yeah. Um, and it's just one of those like Saints of James Ward-Prowse to kind of produce a moment of magic. Again, Cherries are very individual-based when they attack. You mentioned how frustrating it was when counters break down. They're so... like players they brought in they're so clearly invested on playing that yeah. transitional hitting teams on the counter with pace um, dribbling driving you can't really afford to keep on missing passes so it's likely to get that pretty much perfect yeah. cross into the area yeah. right place right time you have to give credit for it really hmm. if I'm going to keep missing goals you lot do need to be better at describing them like you said then you didn't know why I come up someone went Tavernier Edda then someone went Solanke score I, like, I couldn't tell did anyone see this goal I mean it wasn't just <laughs> me that missed it but yeah I could see why looking at it back it was flashed across wasn't it? but I'm going to go with five as well I'm going to go with five and we were at such a height though It was. it's just so no, it difficult to get any perspective it's just, it's just bizarre yeah, it but was. it went in cue delirious scenes and but <laughs> You know, it felt like we were on top in the second half and we were getting into these these really good positions. But um, in terms of the shots on goal, we're looking at the shots chalkboard from who scored at the moment. We didn't actually have have many shots. But I think 
it's probably just better to be in those positions, isn't it? Because like we kept Wolves largely at bay. Mm. I mean, I think they're fans. I mean, Jack, quickly, uh, you know, coming back to you, if they were frustrated with the first half, they must have been more frustrated with the second because they, they, they barely registered. Mm. You know, there was a, like there was a distant shot. Uh, Neto wasn't really like in, sort of called into action. Really. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's four saves. Um, the, I think their biggest chance was the Jack Stevens block right at the yeah. near post, yeah. which was sublime. Um, and like I say, the first half they had kept on finding space, and then you kind of think, oh, there's only a matter of time. Mm. Second half they just kind of not lost the plot, but it very much that performance from Wolves reminds me why they're definitely still in the relegation scrap. Right. Their team, as soon as it doesn't go right for them, the confidence drains out. They just resort to just pumping the ball into the box. Mm. Um, and I think it's a result that will leave them kind of questioning because they're on a great run, really, considering where they were mm. before um, Lopetegui comes in. Beating Liverpool, I know Liverpool kind of the Premier League's crisis club at the moment, and them in Chelsea, but still to beat them 3-0 yeah. and the FA Cup games. They certainly can be a good team. Mm. I think Wolves are in that bracket, same as West Ham, same as Leicester, uh, where they have got the capability of beating teams above them, like top six teams, which perhaps Cherries haven't had this year. Mm. But I also think that that result and that just general performance is one that leave, will leave them questioning themselves. It could potentially okay. yeah. spark a poor run of form for them. Did, was it was it you said to me, Jack, before we, we come on, that um, it reminded you of us against Southampton? And that's exactly, that was a great, I thought that's bang on because we could see the goal kind of out of nowhere yeah. I know it was earlier in the game but we could see the guy out of nowhere and then we huff and puff without doing anything and and Wolves are a team that I always describe as hot and cold um, like you said they can just they can they can blow teams away sometimes because they've got individual class but also I feel like you can frustrate them and make yeah. them look very very ordinary and just allow people like Neves who are quality players to just knock the ball around and go alright you're not hurting us so um, yeah we managed to do that so credit to us Like flight changes from O'Neill with the second mm. half, which really worked. I was I was yeah. worried when Lerma went off, but it sounds like an illness of, uh, of some kind. Rockwell yeah. replaced him. Um, also, on 57 58 minutes, respectively, Jaden Anthony coming on for Tavernier, Semenyo for Watara. We made a couple of changes later on that I was worried about, but those <laughs> those three changes were positive and they kept us yeah. having some good momentum, didn't they? Yeah, for, uh, yeah, bang on. I think, um, uh, yeah, I think you said that Lerma was ill before the game, wasn't he? And they went for it. And yeah, I was definitely concerned. Um, not not just because Lerma's a good player and I thought we had a good good half, actually, um, but just more you haven't got the same um, type of player coming on. But Rothwell actually got, went under the radar a bit. I thought he was very intelligent in the way he played the second half and um, very yeah very calm, tidy and kept us ticking. Here's one for you. Oh, go on. uh, Cameron, Jefferson Lerma is and has never been worth £25 million. Pounds, unpopular opinion. <laughs> um, <laughs> It depends in the, in the current market. No one's worth what they get anyway, are they? But um, it depends. What do you want to do? Do you want to compare it to Cucurella, fifty million? Well, that means Lerma's worth eighty. Do you know what I mean? So, I think I think Lerma was was well worth every single penny we spent on him. To be honest with you, I think he's been one of our most consistent players since he come through the door. Um, but yeah, go um, into the game. Yeah, the sub subs were 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 pretty bang on. I I was not worried because that's that sounds harsh on Christie but I think you could tell that the wingers were getting changed and I thought is he just going to go save for Christie I thought Semenyo was bang on because it kept the pressure on him didn't allow him out and I thought he was brilliant when he came on for a little cameo I thought Semenyo was clever with the ball was good was good on transitions and, and just keeping the pressure on him and not sitting too deep so yeah I was pleased with the subs and yeah we kind of went into the Mepham one which I can see why it would frustrate many and it did me at the time but looking back on it it, made, it did make sense and I think Zamora just went down a few times didn't he and Vigna come on and was, was absolutely fine my heart rate was um, was going through the roof as the game went on, but thankfully we managed to see it out there. Yeah, Neto wasn't worth that much. That shot from distance they did well to hold on to. But other than that, we're looking at the average positions on screen. If you're watching on YouTube, that shows the positions with uh, the substitutes as well for both sides, and then uh, the heat map as well. It's it's fair to say that overall we were camped pretty much in our half. Now, with that in mind, we've got an unpopular opinion that's come in from Daniel Jack, uh, who said, even though we did win on Saturday, we did not deserve it. We were awful, barring a few instances. Wolves were very wasteful and could have scored at least three chances. We didn't deserve it. Is that a bit unfair? I think it is. I'm a strong believer in the maxim of you don't deserve to win football matches if you don't score goals. Um, again, wasn't brilliant or wasn't... Um, like a well-worked goal, but it was just a good moment, wasn't it? Mm. Um, uh, but I think that there has to be credit for the fact that, especially compared from the first half, 
where Wolves were finding space in the box, they were kind of dragging players out of position to the second half, which was just a lot more well drilled. Um, the second half, especially, I know like towards the end, it's just natural, isn't it? Mm. Being in that situation where you kind of think, you know, I, I refuse to put a top on the report, like just like to say Cherry's picked up their first win. I was waiting till the final whistle to write that mm. because I don't want to tempt fate. Um, but in reality, actually, each time they had a cross, they got ahead of the way. You're kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I do. I do think perhaps overall the performance was probably not as good as Forest, mm. Brighton, or. Or Newcastle, um, I think against Brighton, if they come away with a point from there, people aren't kind of saying it was a poor performance. They really did limit a really good Brighton side again, who mm. did very well against Liverpool in the build-up on good form. Um, so yes, I think performance perhaps dipped from those three games, but the most important point at this stage really is to stop the rot. Yeah. It's those draws that, even though the performances were improved, they weren't really picking up enough points. So mm. credit has to be, A, for the improvement from the first half and the second half. Gary O'Neill, um, he said to me uh, about how they had made changes at the break. Uh, and my first thought was, uh, apart from the Lerma coming off, which was an illness, um, but he talked about how they changed where Dongo Kotaro was kind of positioned. And I did look back and he was correct. So yeah. they did, were a little bit more braver. Um, uh, and they did kind of take a bit more pressure off the back, so mm. the back three as it proved to be late on. So undeserved, no, just because I think if you defend that well and you get your goal, you're going to get three points in this league. That's the thing. No, it kind of sounds like sour grapes. There's been a few times Cherries have lost, and I've gone, yeah, Cherries weren't very good, <laughs> but the other team haven't been very good. The Premier League isn't all that's cracked up to be. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to be slightly better than the opposition to get something. So. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think um, we we weren't scintillating. We weren't brilliant. Um, not not everything's been fixed, but we we had the win in my opinion because it's all right to say, you know, oh, we we should have lost. Wolves had all the ball and they just didn't score. Yeah, because we defended well and you got to defend well as well as attacking well and we took our chance. I think Newcastle and Forest, we we took the lead in in both of them games, didn't we? And yeah. um, in both of them games, we couldn't hang on, and and it was just a moment from the opposition. This time, we didn't allow them to score. Uh, yeah, I think we earned the win. Wolves didn't do enough to win it, so I could you could make a case maybe for a draw, but they didn't test Neto enough. Um, we weren't brilliant, but we done enough to win that game. Was it me or was Gary Neal in the post-match interviews and on the presses, etc.? It seems to be almost more negative when we win, or very da- maybe just underplays the win a little bit and is keen to focus on the things to fix. Whereas when we've lost games or dropped points. He seemingly focuses on the positives. I, I don't understand that, but that's that's just the way he is, I suppose. Yeah, he, like I say, he he's very aware of what, not necessarily exactly what he's saying, but how he comes across. And like like I say, he he knows after a game that he's slightly more emotional than he is pretty much. Mm. So you can tell that he definitely tries to like rein himself in a bit, especially after a win like that. And it, it was a good win in, in context, wasn't it? Um, and quite a few other managers might have bigged up their team. Um, but he was very much on message, on brand in terms of saying that, he, I think he even said if they conceded in the 92nd minute, it still would have been a fighting performance, which yeah. you can't disagree with. <clears throat> he did sound a bit Scott Parkish, kept on referring to fine margins. Yeah. Um, but the thing is with cliches, the reasons why cliches are cliches is because they yeah. translate yeah. information quickly, don't they? They're, yeah. they're staples for a reason. Um, so it looks like he, he's very keen to get the basics right, especially yeah. on the pitch, off mm. the pitch. Um but yeah, he, he, he's a very measured guy. Um, he's certainly not one that I know he quipped about um, not letting the players have their off, quite rightly. Um, yes. But yeah, he, he, he knows that it certainly isn't job done or he's turned the ship around completely. He's very much just focused on the next game. I think he pretty much came out and was just like, already focused on the next big game. Mm. Uh, like, he didn't even give himself enough time to kind of focus on the, the match itself. So he's, like I say... Hard working as well. That's the one thing. Um, again, like I said, I didn't really notice at the time, but the Watara change. Mm. He's very good at the little finer details that perhaps when you lose a game, just gets completely yeah. lost. I felt against Brighton, first half especially, the match Brighton very well, little tweaks and stuff. Um, but when you lose, that gets forgotten because sure. those those little margins don't add up. But mm. It's just the one score that yeah. counts, doesn't it? Mm, yeah, in the echo, um, you're writing up the, his words where you have to win more than one game to get a day off, lads. <laughs> and he goes on to say they enjoyed the win, of course, because they've been working so hard the last few weeks and I've been telling them that it's coming. And it's fair to say it felt like it was coming and it was overdue, put it that way. And the win was celebrated by Bournemouth fans all over, including on the um, ice hockey rink. Oh, yeah, La- I saw that. Las Vegas Golden Knights with yeah. a with a Bournemouth flag. Um, 
Right. Mm. Some more unpopular takes here. Mm. Unpopular opinions. All popular. I don't know. Like, whichever way you want to put it. Uh, this one has come in from someone anonymous. Ooh, whoever that is. Um, players are working extremely hard. We're not sure that can be argued. However... Are they having to work extremely hard to combat the fact that tactically and directionally it's completely lacking? And should they work that hard with a decent game plan, we might actually be near a mid-table, Tom. Uh, yeah, I can, I can, yeah, I can kind of see what what they're getting at there. Um, we are working hard, we are busting a gut, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but there are times where where I feel like, what kind of is the plan all the time? But a lot of the time I do kind of feel like, I mean, in that first half, to be honest with you, it felt like we were just defending deep, get the ball and just kick it up the dom and let's hope our players are quick enough to help in transitions. And there wasn't really much much plan, just block stuff and then clear it. But it depends because like Jack was saying, it's, it's all, once you win a game, then, then you start going, okay, yeah, but if that's enough to win a game and you're just defensively solid and you nick something, then who cares? Mm. Um but yeah, I, I kind of get that point that there probably doesn't feel like... But then I do think that a lot of teams... Um, you even look at like Everton now with, with Deutsch. He's not going to come in with this massive philosophy. He's going to go BR to beat, get set pieces, get balls in the box and hit goals because we're not in a position Just to have some... Yeah, style, we're, yeah, we're not in a position right now to have all this this massive plan and philosophy and we need to just get results. And at the moment, that's the best way to get results. So yeah, I guess uh, once you've won, it feels all right anyway. We also had uh, an anonymous comment. I'll put to you, Jack. And it sounds like it's someone on the inside, either in the media or someone that knows a little bit. But this person says, Gary O'Neill has had his hands tied behind his back since the World Cup with a lack of availability and a lack of luck slash break slash correct decisions. Behind the scenes, it seems that he is really good. The players do like him and the board are content. Performances in chunks of games have been good with a chance to utilise the new signings and players coming back. He has got the ingredients, but he caveats this by saying, or he or she, uh, he does think he could help himself with a bit more fire or emotion in his interview. So it sounds like some people think that Gary Neal could well be the real deal. Yeah, uh, the last bit, Nathan Jones had a lot of passion and fire in his interviews, and that went down very well. Mm. Um, Jesse Marsh as well is another who really graded Leeds fans. How he came across, and I think, like I say, Gary Neal, he's Scott measured. Parker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he very much. I wouldn't say like media trained, but he he knows that. He, yes, I, I guess technically is paid to speak to us, um, but that's not his main role. He, he very much says what he says with his players and focuses on them. Um, and every time we speak to a player and stuff, like uh, I spoke to Jay Z after the Newcastle game, and he's very much yeah, Gary Neal's the man still. Um, uh, very much feels that there is confidence, and I think that has to be. Slight credit to um, like the, the back office in terms of, uh, yes, I think there's still criticisms over how you get a shortlist of Gary O'Neill, Marcelo Bielsa and no one else. That's a bit weird. Mm. Um, however, I think not not the radio silence, but Blake's um, programme notes and then the comment afterwards. I think Cherries are very much aware looking at the managerial market. There isn't really much you can do anyway mm. at the moment. So rather than pile on the pressure even further, they just kept it quiet and said, yep, yeah, carry on yeah. because uh, like I say I don't really think there's anyone that can come directly in and uh, like, like I said uh, in January before kind of the clear out and players coming in the squad was in a place where you couldn't really pick 11 players and say they can play this style of football it was very much you have some people that are more possession based some people that are more counter attacking Kiefer Moore again like you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. I think can be effective at this level but the amount of times that he's played like Brentford at home he was crossing in balls on the wing to where yeah. he should be yeah. he just and you can't build a team around him at this level yeah. which, is, which is fair enough but again the squad's just in such Ben Pearson's another one yeah. that's bizarre yeah. I've, 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 I've completely forgotten about Kiefer Moore I know he's been on the bench that's the last few just don't come on yeah. just just, you, know, you said his name I was like oh yeah we've got him yeah it was uh, yeah, and, and, and don't get me wrong, the, the comment there, it, it makes sense in terms that obviously we didn't have Dom, for example. That's why Kiefer was playing. He's a big player. Tavernier wasn't there. Mm. Um, so we did have a few players out, and obviously now he's got some new signings. But mm. I mean, I'm not being horrible, but I'd like to think I'd be a better manager if I got like 70 million quid spent on it. Do you know what I mean? Like, of course he's going to be a better manager now he's got new signings. But um, right. uh, yeah, but no, yeah, the proof will be in the pudding when it, it, it will be. And I think I totally agree that now, I think a lot of people, well, I certainly think there is no one about that we could get now. Yeah. Um, so, it'll be t- but I feel like after the World Cup or in that break, there were people about. 
Everton have proved that. And I think that's what frustrates people. But, you know, we, we know where we are now. We know where we're at. Let's be real. We ain't going to go anywhere. Let's, let's, let's get behind them and get the basics right. And, and we showed that on Saturday. We'll rattle on through yeah. a few more opinions. Here's one where we've got um, two contrasting opinions. Jake Martin says, Lewis Cook is our best player by quite a long way too. But then... On the other side of the spectrum, Andy Jennings said this is squarely in both the unpopular and controversial buckets. But are we better without Lewis in the team? Obviously, injuries are a massive part of why he hasn't gone on to be a really dominant midfielder. But are some of our current options better for the position we're in? I'll give that to you, Tom. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely don't believe Lewis Cook's our best player. Um, I think Lewis Cook, technically, and as as was mentioned there before his injuries, probably had one of the high ceilings. As a footballer, I think he's good enough to play for us, without doubt, without question. He's a very, very talented footballer. But at this current moment in time, um, obviously we don't want him injured, we want him available. Hmm. This current moment in time, uh, are we a better team without him? Potentially. I just think sometimes with Lewis, he doesn't really get assists, he doesn't score goals, and he's not a Jefferson Lerma defensive midfield player. And I think sometimes you kind of think, what's he doing? Hmm. Do you know what I mean? And and that's not that's not trying to be disrespectful because Lewis Cook's clearly a bloody good footballer. But right now, if he was suddenly a hundred percent fit and back, he wouldn't get in the team. He wouldn't get in the team. Billing looks better um, now. Traore obviously gives you that that option. So yeah, I, I I kind of don't disagree or agree with either really because I think he's a top player. Are we better without him? We're, it'll remain to be seen. It's only been a few games and we we've looked marginally better. But yeah, I'm. I feel for him because I think he could have been, I, if he hadn't got the injuries he wouldn't be with Bournemouth in my opinion yeah. he'd have gone on because he was different level and they really hurt him uh, a few injuries but um, I'm not missing him right now uh, just briefly Tom was mm. it a mistake to let Pearson go because that's what Adam uh, sorry Aaron Kay said it's, was it a mistake uh, wouldn't it have been better to have left Stan out or maybe Stacey Stacey's not a bad shot I didn't think of that one actually yeah I, I was I was thinking all along I couldn't get my head around it because I at the time I thought well one injury and then we got one with Lewis and now we're bringing on, like I say, uh, fortunately he played well, but Lerma's coming off at half-time and we're having to bring on Joe Rothwell, who's more of a... Because we haven't got anyone else. Stanislas, I mean, there's probably a 1% chance he'll be fit ever again. But even if he was now, look at the wingers. He ain't getting in the team. He's getting no. No. So I don't see why he's being registered. And then we've let Pierce... Unless Pierce... We don't know. So Pierce might be banging on the door going, you let me out. And... And also, it's a good point about, I didn't think about that, Stacey, you've got Smith, you've got Fredericks, you've got other players that could fill in at right back. Maybe Fredericks injured concern. Is, and also, we've got another goalkeeper that got registered. It did surprise me. The Pearson one on deadline day, it didn't surprise me with Dembele because of the wingers we brought in. But to register Stan and Brooks, who we'll see, I, I still um, don't believe he'll play as, long as, as much as other people do. I can't believe we, we're light. In the, if Lerma gets injured... Yeah. We've got no one that can play that role. Um, so it really, really surprised me. What I will say is Billings dropped back, which we're all, and he's actually done better than I thought he would yeah. a bit deeper. So maybe that was the thought. Rich Jackson. That's interesting. That was our worst performance offensively for the last four games, but it was the best defensively. Mm. Um, Senesi looks settled with Stevens much harder to break down from corners and set pieces. And he also goes on to talk about Adam Smith as well. But... Was it our worst performance offensively for the last four, do you reckon? Yeah, there have been elements of the counter-attacks that, like, a few times there's been, again, a team that relies so much on that transitional play mm. to attack. There's been moments over the past few weeks where, like, key moves have broken down because the passes wasn't good enough. Um, I think from that aspect, yes. Mm. I think if you, again, it's clear now... Um, O'Neill has even kind of admitted it. That is the direction they're going in. You have to get those moments right. Um, definitely more often than not. Um, it kind of felt like every time, like even Tavernier and Traore, they broke forward. Mm. Tav's ball to Traore was poor, but still just about managed to go. And then <laughs> Traore just... <laughs> yeah. Definitely better defend- Definitely our best defensive. Yeah. 100%. But I-, I think that goes back to the caretaker spell. There was a period where they looked a lot better defensively. Yeah. Couldn't get a clicking going forward. Then they finally got a clicking going forward, attacking play, and then defensively they're poor. The Tottenham leads, leads. Tottenham. Uh, and then they kind of worked it out again by Everton. It, like again, 
don't want to sound like Scott Parker, fine margins. Um, what makes a poor defensive performance is, of course, conceding goals, especially like first half, like I say, the amount of space, like Nunez, for example, is getting in the area. Didn't feel me with too much confidence, but second half, especially. But again, we mentioned it before, if you play a City, Arsenal, Liverpool, as Parker went and tried to do, yeah. and sit deep and allow them to whip balls in, they'll just stretch you and find space. So it does, to me, seem that when it matches up nicely defensively, they look a lot better defensively. And when it matches up offensively, they look a lot better. Yeah. Um, for for example, like against Newcastle, Newcastle confident came forward that then leaves space for them to go attack on the break. So they will mm. look more fluent going forward. So I think it depends on the opposition yeah. to make those comparisons. Um, but yeah, I can't think you can disagree that out of the past four, probably the best they've been defensively, but offensively, yeah, I think Still it was lacking. lacking. Mm. And so, yeah, Newcastle and Wolves, I'd have taken four points from that, uh, absolutely, all day long. Speaking of Newcastle, Ian Hensman. Ryan Fraser didn't owe us anything. He was entitled with the short career of a footballer to look out for his own interests. Tom, I'll give that one to you. Absolute load of rubbish. Um, Finishing in style, eh? I don't... uh... I, I, I hate the kind of, our oh, Fraser would do what every other footballer done. Well, no, because that's never happened before with a COVID. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a very rare scenario and you're basically asking a player that you've made, Eddie Howe brought him over from Aberdeen, young lad, sent him out on loan to Ipswich, which was brilliant, brought him in, gave him all the success, gave him everything, worked mm-hmm. with Rod Fraser. I mean, Fraser spoke about that when he first yeah, came yeah. to us, gave him absolutely everything. And then we all asked of him, as just can you give us a few months when we're in a relegation battle and we've got a lot of injuries and we really need you, mate? Yeah. Nah, because I might get injured. Um, no, no, I'm never having that. Never will do. But I hope he's enjoying his, his spell on the... Well, he didn't make the bench in the last <laughs> game, by the way. So uh, he might get a move to Hull next season and rejuvenate his career, maybe. Love it. Just looking through a few tweets here. Mr. Suave said, deserve it. We deserved it. You had one shot on target from a Wolves fan. <laughs> it was a classic... A classic Smash and grab. There we go. So he agrees. He said it was, yeah. With Jack Tanner. Very fortuitous, said uh, Mr. Suave. Um, so what's your usual kind of week then? Like when it's like you know, like Saturday to Saturday games. Um, Jack, is it, you know, like next thing's the presser or there'll be a few like stories in the Echo, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, um, what's to come? It, it was just me this weekend. Um, so normally we have like the post-match presser and some stories to come out of that kind of drip fed. And then we get to speak to a player, but by the time Gary and I were done the presser, I run down the tunnel, all the players are gone, um, mm-hmm. probably off celebrating. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it will be little bits. Um, like I said, um, still got some stuff from like Jordan Zamora that I that didn't have the chance to run. Um, talking about his contract again, uh, no update yeah. at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's just we kind of not, not hoard stuff, but just also don't have yeah. the time to do it all just to get yeah. out in the next few days. Um, but yeah, probably we'll look at the Wolves game again and break down what needs to improve. Um, but I think it's, it's fairly obvious, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, probably it's a non-league. Yeah. See Paul Town on Tuesday. Hopefully yeah. they'll be yeah. in for a Dorset team. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, uh, and the, they've been uh, drawn at home, haven't they? Against uh, Weymouth in the... Uh, like, oh yeah. A toss for coin. In the scenic- yeah. yeah, love that. That means I'm not trekking down to yeah. Weymouth. Yeah. Massive um, Jack's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. If you want to read Jack's work, well, this is the publication you need to be buying in all good news agents, but also on the BournemouthEcho.co.uk website as well. Some um, some really good stuff in there. So make sure you check out Jack's work. Jack, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, mate. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. I've loved it. Tom, mm. any closing words? Um, if you, yeah, if you want to read my work, it's at Tom Jordan twenty one on Twitter. Um, <laughs> No closing words, but yeah, um, what should I say? Just just buzzing, mate. Let's, we we got a win. we got a win, and we've got three easy games now, so no no dramas at all. But no, let's just get behind him now. It was a, I, I never mind when you watch a team that are giving everything, you know, fighting fighting for the cause. You can see that right till the end, and that, that's that's all we asked for. So was was really delighted. And I, as I say, I, I felt we earned that because, yeah, we've... we've conceded some silly goals etc etc but we defended well we nicked the goal when we got it and we, we thoroughly deserve that mate so yeah bring on City for a for another smash and grab 1-0 against City in the bag let's do it thank you for watching listening however you've been absorbing this make sure you like subscribe and share and we'll see you on the next one up the cherries up the cherries Richie maybe on Walker Pew! Pew! That'll-
Social Podcast Network.